episode 54, Renewing the Mind in Discipleship. Welcome to the Principles and Practice podcast. This is where we discuss biblical principles for life and learning. I'm your host, Heather Hall, and this is my co-host, Brian Hall. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, Happy New Year. We thought we would kick off the new year by talking about what it means to renew our minds in Christ and discipleship as a result of that. Okay, I'm going to start out with uh, defining the word renew using the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Um, His definition 8 is, in theology, to make new, to renovate, to transform, to change from natural uh, enmity uh, to the love of God and his law and to implant holy affections in the heart to regenerate. So Romans uh, 12, uh, 1 and 2 um, or I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 is, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, to expound on that, uh, we're going to uh, dig into Matthew Henry's commentary. Uh, he says, the mind must be renewed for him. This is pressed when he says, uh, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. See to it that there be a saving change wrought in you, and that it be carried on. Conversion and sanctification are the renewing of the mind, a change not of the substance, but the qualities of the soul. He also says that uh, old things are passed away, all things are become new. He acts from new principles, by new rules, and with new designs. The mind is the acting, ruling part of us, so that the renewing of the mind is the renewing of the whole man, for out of it are the issues of life. And also he goes into what is the great enemy of this renewing, which we must avoid, and that is conformity to this world, and be not conformed to this world. And he also says that what is the great effect of this renewing, which, which we must labor after, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the will of God, here we are to understand his revealed will concerning our duty, what the Lord our God requires of us. In order for our minds to be renewed, we need to be discipled. And then as a result of being discipled and having our minds renewed, we are to disciple others. So I'm going to be looking at Webster's 1828 definition of disciple, and then I'll go into scripture that talks about it, and then Matthew Henry's commentary on that passage of scripture. So disciple is from the Latin and it means to learn. A learner, a scholar, one who receives or professes to receive instruction from another as the disciples of Plato. A follower, an adherent to the doctrines of another. Hence the constant attendants of Christ were called his disciples and hence all Christians are called his disciples as they profess to learn and receive his doctrines and precepts. It also means, as a verb transitive, to teach, to train, or bring up, to make disciples of, to convert to doctrines or principles. Now Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I looked up the word nations in Strong's Concordance, and it's the Greek word ethnos, and it means the human family, a tribe, nation, 
or people group. Now Matthew Henry's commentary on Matthew 28:18 has two primary points that he wants to make about it. And he says we may observe two things. The first main point is the commission which our Lord Jesus received himself from the Father. Being about to authorize his apostles, if any ask by what authority he does it, and who gave him that authority. Here he tells us, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, a very great word, and which none but he could say. Hereby he asserts his universal dominion as mediator, which is the great foundation of the Christian religion. He has all power. Observe, firstly, once he has this power, he did not assume it or usurp it, but it was given him. He was legally entitled to it and invested in it by a grant from him who is the fountain of all being and consequently of all power. God set him king. And he references Psalm 2.6. Inaugurated and enthroned him. And he, rec- he cites Luke 132. Matthew Henry comments on this further, and our listeners can read it if they desire to. But for time's sake, I'll move on to other points. He had power before, power to forgive sins. But now all power is given him. He is now going to receive for himself a kingdom. That's according to Luke 19.12. To sit down at the right hand. That's according to Psalm 110.1. Having purchased it, nothing remains but to take possession. It is his own forever. Where he has this power in heaven and earth, comprehending the universe, Christ is the sole universal monarch. He is Lord of all, according to Acts 10.36. He has all power in heaven. He has power of dominion over the angels. They are his humble servants, according to Ephesians 1.20 and 21. He has power of intercession with his Father in the virtue of his satisfaction and atonement. He intercedes not as a suppliant, but as a demandant. He has all power on earth too. Having prevailed with God by the sacrifice of atonement, he prevails with men and deals with them as one having authority by the ministry of reconciliation. He is indeed in all causes and over all persons, supreme moderator and governor all souls are his and to him every heart and knee must bow and every tongue confess him to be the lord the second main point that matthew henry makes is this the commission he gives to those whom he sent forth go ye therefore this commission is given firstly to the apostles primarily the chief ministers of state in christ's kingdom the architects that laid the foundation of the church. Go ye. It is not only a word of command like that, son, go work, but a word of encouragement. Go and fear not, have I not sent you? Go and make a business of this work. They must not take state and issue out summons to the nations to attend upon them, but they must go and bring the gospel to their doors. Go ye. So Christ stirs up his disciples to disperse themselves over all the world. Secondly, it is given to their successors, the ministers of the gospel, whose business it is to transmit the gospel from age to age to the end of the world in time, as it was theirs to transmit from nation to nation to the end of the world in place and no less necessary. The Old Testament promise of a gospel ministry is made to succession, 
That's according to Isaiah 59:21, And this must be so understood. Otherwise, how could Christ be with them always to the consummation of the world? Christ at his ascension gave not only apostles and prophets, but pastors and teachers. And that's according to Ephesians 4.11. Matthew Henry continues with, What is the principal intention of this commission? It's to disciple all nations. Admit them disciples. Do your utmost to make the nations Christian nations. Not go to the nations and denounce the judgments of God against them, as Jonah against Nineveh, and as the other Old Testament prophets. But go and disciple them. Christ, the mediator, is setting up a kingdom in the world. Bring the nations to be his subjects. Setting up a school, bring the nations to be his scholars. Raising an army for the carrying on of the war against the powers of darkness. Enlist the nations of the earth under his banner. The work which the apostles had to do was to set up the Christian religion in all places. And it was honorable work. The achievements of the mighty heroes of the world were nothing to it. They conquered the nations for themselves and made them miserable. The apostles conquered them for Christ and made them happy. There's a third point that he wants to make, and that is that the duty of disciples of all baptized Christians must observe all things whatsoever Christ has commanded, and in order to that must submit to the teaching of those whom he sends. Our admission into the visible church is in order to something further. When Christ has discipled us, he has not done with us. He enlists soldiers that he may train them up for his service. The duty of the apostle of Christ and his ministers, and that is to beseech the commands of Christ, to expound them to his disciples, to press upon them the necessity of obedience, and to assist them in applying the general commands of Christ to particular cases. Here's the assurance he gives them of his spiritual presence with them in the execution of this commission. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The favor that's promised them is this, I am with you, not I will be with you, but I am. To carry them on through the difficulties they were likely to meet with, I am with you, to bear you up, to plead your cause, with you in all your services and all your sufferings, to bring you through them with comfort and honor. To succeed this great undertaking, he says, Lo, I am with you, to make your ministry effectual to, for the discipling of the nations, for the pulling down of the strongholds of Satan, and the setting up of stronger for the Lord Jesus. Now, strongholds are mindsets. We're stepping away from Matthew Henry's commentary now to talk about this. Mm-hmm. They're in the way that we think of things. There are man's ways or there are God's ways. So renewing our minds means to change our mindset to align with God's ways. Mm -hmm. And that happens as we learn the principles from his word and learn how to apply them in all spheres of life. And it's it's also a choice. It's a choice to make as followers of Christ that we are to be accepting this discipleship from others or from wherever we get it from the So wrapping things back around to renewing the mind. We each have the responsibility to have our minds renewed and to learn biblical principles and their application for life. We absolutely need to learn Christian morals that God has laid out in the scriptures. And that's a part of Christian living. 
But the other part of it is to think Christianly and to live Christianly. That's also known as thinking and living governmentally. We are learning how to apply biblical principles to all spheres of life. And as we do that, we have the responsibility to disciple nations. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to go to another nation. Um, Whatever nation an individual lives in needs to hear the gospel message. Individuals make up nations. And as individuals are renewing their minds because they've come to Christ and they're applying biblical principles, then transformation of nations happens. So we want to encourage everybody to begin renewing their minds in not just things that are of a moral nature, but also uh, principles that are applicable for all of life that transform the individual, the family, the local community, you know, one's state, one's nation. And if you're not sure how to do that, then we have resources that can help you. We don't need to be afraid to do this. Christ says that he will be with us come what may. We just need to be obedient and the results are up to God. And Dan Smithwick of Nehemiah Institute Mm. has summed them up under PEERS. Um, PEERS stands for politics, but Dan says to think of government. Mm -hmm. Education, economics, religion, and social issues. Mm -hmm. And the biblical principle approach covers all aspects of this. And, you know, if you want to learn more about that, we have the... um, the biblical principle approach homeschool experience membership that could be of interest to you. So if you're interested in that, uh, go to the website and you can sign up for the wait list. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a biblical classical community where several biblical principle approach teachers are coming together to teach courses on topics that are either geared toward the whole family or youth or just to teach parents and teachers so Mm -hmm. that they can go forward and help disciple others as well. So you can go to biblicalclassicalcommunity.com and click on courses to learn more about what's being offered currently. And we have several future courses that are being developed this year. Yes, and the Biblical Principle Approach uh, Homeschool Experience is on Mm principledacademy.com. And that's an eight-week course with a seven-week practicum in it that segues into a year-long membership. And all of the lessons are concise. There are strategies in there that I've come up with as I've figured out how to apply the biblical principle approach in our homeschool and to life. And all of the lessons are concise. They're very short. The assignments are short. And um, they're all designed with busy homeschool parents in mind. Mm-hmm. Well, this wraps up our first episode of the new year. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. As always, if you're looking for additional resources or support, you can visit our website at principalacademy.com. Check out our shop and our blog. And you can also find us on Facebook at Christian Homeschooling with Bible Principles. Also on Instagram under Principal Academy. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Well, this is Heather Hall. And this is Brian Hall. For Christ and his glory.